That Time Forgot podcast with Ashling Hurleyamp, Neve Quinn. Hello and welcome to episode three of the People That Time Forgot podcast with Ashling Hurley and Neve Quinn. Um, so pod three, we're focusing on an amazing lady called Nellie Bly. Um, this is definitely the coolest chick this side of Mars and I think she's going to be my favourite for a very, very long time. There are people out there who have no voice. I want to write for them. I will tell our stories. So she was an American journalist who was a pioneer in her field, launching a new kind of investigative journalism. And uh, as we said, if you've been listening previously, the podcast is all about documenting people who, for whatever reason, have been written out of history or forgotten about or just got lost in the mists of time. Um, but first, the usual in Ireland, we're obsessed with the weather. Mm-hmm. Cloudy with a hint of meatballs. Love it. Eight degrees. Even better. Daffodils are blooming. So it's starting to look like we'd be ready for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, it's kind of freaky the weather actually, isn't it? Yeah. The whole climate change thing. Um, and we had some usability issues today in real life, not just in tech. Yes, we're, um, <laughs> we're flagging with those um, big companies out there, um, the UI setup of their services. Yeah, in particular, Starbucks mm. in Kildare Village. So, so you work up for yeah. a cup of coffee. As you do on a Wednesday, mm-hmm. get over the Wednesday hump. All excited, going in to order a drink. Yeah. And uh, what the hell is going on with the cash registers? Which is like six inches to pay mm-hmm. for anything. No room to swing a cash. No. What's that about like? And then you're kind of bumping with whoever's coming up behind you. Bit of bump bump with the... Yeah. So we got through that, and then, boy, Neve, um we had to move my car because I was blocking somebody in, in the car park. So Neve went out and moved it, and then we had another unfortunate usability incident. Yes, Minnie, this is a call out to you. <laughs> put the key in, and obviously it's one of those new setups where you put the key in and then you have to press the button to start it. But when I was sitting in the seat... I couldn't see where the start button was. So yeah. it's cool. The, <laughs> the trap back. And when he opened the door, he could see the button. But the windscreen wiper lever was blocking my view. So <laughs> I was like the um, blonde sitting in the seat going, oh, where's the button to start the car? So anyway, car was started. But shout out to Minnie. Um, not very good usability. Rebuild the car, please. Um, might make it harder to rob though maybe actually if you can't see the button that, that probably is a good point it's irritating though isn't it and then you were actually saying there was another thing in your dad's car with oh, yeah. the Honda yeah <laughs> right this, this podcast is about cars right <laughs> what happened with the Honda yeah to plug your um, charge up your phone the actual port is down under the gear stick console so yeah, I actually had to turn the light on the phone to get, make sure I was able to plug it in right so again usability zero you don't know and, what uh, thinking I'll have my new car in <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> shout out for a new mm. car for you sponsored by Honda yeah, yeah. <laughs> or we could be the Honda ambassadors 
Yes, yeah, hand down mini. Um, okay, so that's our daily moan. Um, so we have some fans already, Neve. Can you believe it? It's so exciting. Big shout out whoop, whoop, to the students in the Landmark School of Art and Design, LSAD, Ireland. Yeah. In particular, Kate and Luke in the Fashion and Textile course. Hello, guys. They WhatsApp us. Sup, sup. Yeah. And are listening as the design and are loving the podcast so far. So thank you for listening, guys. That's great, isn't it? And, you know, they're young. So that's good. It's good yeah. <laughs> young people actually want to listen to they're us. They're being um, impressionable on the young, so. Yeah. And um, just to say hello as well to Kingsley Aikens of the Networking Institute in Dublin, Ireland as well, who's been really supportive um, of what we're trying to do with the podcast and loves the idea of trying to document people that are missing from history. And also just really quickly have to say hello to um, my agri group on Facebook. Ashley, what's the agri group? <laughs> so Aga, AGA. Um, my kids are always flagging me about this, but basically it's a really cool supportive group. Um, it's on Facebook. Really recommend joining it if you have a cooker. That's an aga. Um, so the story is, it's, you know, an aga, if you don't know, is kind of a range cooker. It's like an old fashioned cooker. So we have one, which is like a recycle job. It's like 60 years old or something. Um, but the great thing about this group is, you know, they share recipes and how to control the agar because a lot of us have older ones and they're very temperamental. Um, so when Brexit's tried to pull us apart, our cookers have kept us together, which has been brilliant. Um, but anyway, in particular, I was telling them, I shared that we were doing the podcast or whatever, and I had some lovely messages. So another shout out to say hello to Hayley Vincent Crop and her daughter who recommended that we look into John Vincent. Um, and it's such a small world because John Vincent sailed with Ernest Shackleton on the carriage crossing and quite near us in the town of Athai, County Kildare, there is a Shackleton Museum, which is amazing. Um, you know, that you're talking to somebody in another country and that they're talking about something that's quite near you. Um, so definitely look into that. And then another quick hello to Laura Ford, Amy Malley and Susan Handy Roth, who mentioned Alex Wilson from her village in the UK, who's currently recording the piano music as F of S.F. Kelly, who was killed in World War One and was also uh, lost to the sands of time. So really, thank you so much for your support, everybody. I know it's great that these people are interested in yeah, <laughs> and also people that have been forgotten that need to, you know, they've done amazing things. So yeah, it's a nice goodwill. Hi guys, nice goodwill. Um, so as we said, today's podcast is all about Nellie Bly. So Nellie was born Elizabeth Cochrane Seaman in eighteen sixty four. Eve. This lady was a writer, an industrialist, inventor, and charity worker. And she was born in Cochrane's Mills, now part of Pittsburgh's suburb of Burrell Township, Armstrong County, Pennsylvania. She was a child of the second family and her father, Michael Cochrane. What's that I hear? Sounds Irish? Well, her dad's father had emigrated to the US from Derry here in Ireland in the 1790s. Just as an aside, um, Derry is in Northern Ireland. Um, sometimes you might hear it referred to as Londonderry, and um, that prefix was added to it when the city was granted a royal charter by King James I in 1613, but um, most people in Southern Ireland referred to it as uh, Derry. 
She was one of 15 children, would you believe? Can you imagine that? Yeah, so her dad had worked his way up from the labouring to buying Cochrane Mills and the surrounding farmland. This meant she was able to go to boarding school, but she had to drop out after her father's death, unfortunately. So her first foray into journalism was around when she read an article in her local paper, a newspaper column entitled What Girls Are Good For? Hmm. In the Pittsburgh <laughs> Dispatch reported that girls are principally for birthing children and keeping Yuck. house. Can you imagine? Oh, we're as good, aren't we? So what did good old Nettie do but write a response under the pseudonym Lonely Orphan Girl? How did she come up with that? She documented representation of women. The editor, George Madden, was impressed with her passion and ran an advertising ad, asking the author to identify herself, which she did. He then gave her a column and she took her pen name Nellie Bly. She was very popular and often wrote pieces that only addressed women. Forward-thinking newspapers, isn't that brilliant? Yeah, for the times. Yeah. So investigation journalism was her thing. So soon she grew tired of this and wanted more challenging work. In 1886, she moved to New York City, the Big Apple. As a woman, she met the glass ceiling head-on and found it hard to get work. This was a male-dominated Victorian media scene. Yeah, so... um she was trying to do obviously more serious work and more serious articles and wasn't really been taken seriously. So um, in 1887, she became hugely uh, famous because what happened was she went undercover to report a story for the paper that she worked for called um, the New World Newspaper. I'd like to introduce you to our publisher, Joseph Pulitzer. It is a great honor. The World Newspaper would like you to infiltrate Blackwell's Island Lunatic Asylum for Women. Throughout the 1800s, um, those with mental health um, issues were segregated from society. Actually horrific and uh, actually quite maddening and upsetting. So if you're sensitive, uh, maybe fast forward and um, otherwise keep listening. (laughs) It does get better. It's rough for a while. We don't know what minute yet to fast forward. So listen to it all and figure out which minute and then go back and fast forward that minute. Maybe fast forward 30 seconds. Um, So anyway, what this was, was an undercover assignment for which she agreed to feign insanity. The Women's Lunatic Asylum, hate that phrase, on Blackwell's Island. You'd have to be insane to get yourself purposely committed to a lunatic asylum. Women are being murdered. Um, so th- this is actually such a scary thing. I don't know how she did it. The scary thing about it was that to get into the system, she basically just pretended to be depressed from what I can figure out with the reports um, and her own um, recording of the story. So four doctors along her entrance route into Blackwell's Island pronounced her quotations positively demented. Mm. And now this is somebody only pretending at the time in 1887 to have an issue um and the minute she gets into blackwell's island she just reverts back to being herself and the scary thing here is they still treat her as if she's demented and in fact reiterate that view as long as it doesn't tip over into mania am i crazy um so this was her plan um so at the time In her own words, she began by pretending she was insane um, by assuming the look of the insane, which she said, they must have staring eyes. And so I opened mine as wide as possible and stared unblinkingly. 
It's a note to self, don't open eyes wide or stare unblinkingly. I assume the look which maidens wear in pictures entitled Dreaming and presented uh, myself at a temporary women's shelter, which was at 84 Second Avenue in New York. So the plan was to pretend that she'd had a mental breakdown there and that she had no family or friends to support her um, and that she'd get the matron to commit her to the mental ward. Um, at the hospital where she would convince the doctors that she belonged in a permanent asylum so I, I just don't know how she did that um, such a brave thing to do I mean God to sign yourself in it's hard enough now to get in or out let alone back in 1887 um, so the first night anyway she forced herself to stay awake to keep up the pretense so the next day she's taken by the police to the asylum and she notices that one of the policemen she'd interviewed as a reporter a short time before this um so she's thinking, this guy might recognise me and shop her out. Um, but the first weird thing here is he doesn't even recognise her. So it's like she's already become invisible yeah. in the whole, you know, women in society thing. Yeah. And having a nervous breakdown. Um, so she witnessed some horrific things there, Eve. Yeah. She witnessed uh, cool baths. One bath alone, the nurses scrubbed her skin raw and threw three buckets of ice cold water over her. So you just became an object. Yeah. Hygiene issues. All of the women were dried with the same towel. Can you imagine? There was hundreds of women in here. I mean, walking germs. Yeah. Four starvation. Had to sit until 6 a.m. until 8 p.m. in straight back benches. Beatings. The hovering threats of sexual assault in a general atmosphere more akin to a concentration camp than to a healthcare establishment. And I suppose because they didn't know... Um, about mental health and all that, they just thought, you know, treat them as their objects. Yeah. yeah, they weren't even they were treated worse than animals. I think um, this is just so uh, terrifying. Actually, some of the women that Nellie encounters at the asylum are foreigners, right? So um, they're completely sane women, and they're just confined there because they can't speak enough English to explain their situation to doctors, policemen, judges, or any other examiner that they might meet. Um, along the road to Blackwell's Island. So they're just incarcerated because they can't speak the local language. That's good, because I was talking to a friend of mine uh, the other yeah, day and heard. she said that she noticed that there was more deaths, she was like, she's in the medical industry, and she says because of a language barrier and the patients couldn't explain what was wrong with them. Oh, my gosh. They were kind of, you know, um, appointments were put back and let another doctor deal with them. And, recently? Yeah. Oh, that's like today. Today, like, as in the last oh few months. Oh, my God. So not yeah. much has changed. No. So, like, language Isn't that a lesson yeah. for people? Um, like, really, if you're going to another country, learn the language that at least you're able to, you know, express yourself in basic terms or whatever. That is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, tell us about the retreats, the retreat room. Women are being murdered. Um, in Blackwell's. Yeah, so one woman was sent there for talking to a man on the premises. Imagine. Hello. I know. <laughs> probably the doctor. Get thee to the retreat room. <laughs> this is what she told Nelly. For crying, the nurses beat me with a broom handle and jumped on me. Jeez. Injured me internally so that I never got over it. They tied my hands and feet and throwing a sheet over my head, twisted it tightly around my throat so it could not scream and thus put me in a bath tub filled with cold water they held me under until i gave up every hope and became senseless 
then they pulled my hair out of the by the roots so it never grew again I mean it's just horrific oh my god can you imagine that yeah another woman told her I was pulled around by the hair held under the water until I I, I strangled and I was choked and kicked the nurses would always keep a quiet patient stationed at the window to tell them when the doctors were approaching that's just oh god it's just horrific and then um the physical abuse at the time is coupled with chemical manipulation as well if you can believe it so um nelly notes because she she wrote this article which was spread out into um several articles in the newspaper and then eventually became a book but um the nurses injected morphine and chloral into the patient's like it's just horrific the stuff that went on i mean it's hard to believe this is this is part of history isn't it but it's like they were left to just run and do yeah as they please you know as they thought that these people should be treated but yeah so anyway poor nelly um so after she pretended to be mentally ill for 10 days the new york world which was the newspaper she worked for published um nelly's articles about her time in the asylum on blackwell's island so they did this in a six-part series uh, which they called 10 Days in a Madhouse. Um, and it made Nellie one of the most famous journalists in the United States. And the result of the work that she did, because she re- obviously recorded everything that happened and did all the case studies with the women, etc., um, led to a grand jury investigation, which she assisted in. And it resulted in a $1 million increase in the New York City budget for the care of the mentally ill. So back in like 1887 or whatever, that was yes, some amount of money. Um, and this was a new hands-on approach to stories, which has developed into the practice that we now call investigative journalism. Um, you'd wonder what sort of research they did prior to this for their stories, um, you know, if she was the first one to do it. But she, what a one to do. I mean, how I just can't believe how brave she was to sign herself into somewhere like that. Yeah, take the risk. And that then when she actually reverted to being her normal self, that they were like, oh, she's even more demented than we thought. Scary. Well, Um, actually, yeah, for the fun stuff. Thank God. (laughs) World record. This is still Nelly, yeah. Nelly. Mm -hmm. Nelly's successful career reached new heights when she decided to travel around the world after reading the popular book Around the World in Eight Days by Phineas Fogg. She decided to give it a go. Her trip only took 72, 72 days. days, which was a world record. So up yours. <laughs> <laughs> it took a woman. Yeah. Yeah. We'll show you. Yeah. So um, the remarkable thing about this is because um, they're the attitude of the world that she lived in at the time. Um, so actually, you can look online on a website called chronic um chronicling america.loc.gov so obviously loc stands for local and they have a newspaper article there um which was written by a journalist that interviewed nelly when she was going to take off she's a writer reporter after some story at her own peril um so she was the first female i think Neve, to do to do this the journey, yeah yeah and she did it unprotected. Um, and I don't know how she did it, because according to the girls over in the My Favourite Murder podcast, there were a lot of murders around this time. Mm. And uh, so for a woman to travel on her own just seems incredibly brave. Mm, she was fearless. She was fearless, yeah. Um, so anyway, the Evening World reports that she travelled 30,000 miles and back to New York. 
And they quaintly said, it's her own adventure and she's plucky and confident. Well, go you, newspaper. Yeah. So she left New York on the Victoria Augusta and uh, she did this article with a reporter called H.C. Jarrett from the Hurricane Deck. I didn't know what a Hurricane Deck was. I had to look it up. So I think it just means upper deck. Uh, I don't travel first class. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But anyway, this bit is for the guys in LSAD in Limerick uh, because the reporter describes her in a particular way. So you guys will appreciate this. Um, so first of all, I have to set the scene because this reporter is a bit of a head case, I think, for want of a better word. Um so to picture this reporter, I think the most the character that came to mind for me was um, from the film The Circle of Friends, which is based on a book by Maeve Binchy. And there's a Slovene of a character in that, and he's called Sean Walsh. And basically, Sean, who was played by the actor Alan Cumming, is an awful character and robs the main character's Benny's dad of his life savings and thinks he's going to have his wicked way with Benny. So he's just oh, a horrible, really slick kind of character. So this is who I'm picturing when I read this reporter's uh, words about Nelly. Bernadette, Sean's here. I just don't feel that way about you, Sean. I don't think you're in quite the situation to be so proud and choosy. So he refers to her throughout the article as quotations, little newspaper woman and quotations, little traveler. Can you imagine? Uh, so he goes on. This is, an, this is a reporter writing his own words. This reporter is only a man and he survi- surveyed the slight, willowy, girlish figure. I think overtures of a serial murderer mm. there. <laughs> um, of the little circumnavigator, love that word. And he goes on to say that she was, quotations, clad in a close-fitting travelling gown of dark blue camel's hair plaited with a soft golden stripe with here and there a stray thread of red and a dark blue waist with puffed sleeves. It fairly took his breath away. So then he writes this bit sanctimonious snowflake that he is. The braid of black hair doubled on the neck and tied with a bit of ribbon and one of those absurd little tourist caps in a fawn coloured check with useless ear laps tied over the crown. I think this is one of those hunting caps and uh, he'll kill me for saying this but my husband Liam actually had one of these when I met him. Mm. Uh, oh yeah yeah i made him get rid of it <laughs> oh hello <laughs> not good luck mm. so anyway so um the funny thing here as well nelly has all her gear on board and she asked the smitten reporter and two more witnesses to witness her will because obviously she understands this is a dangerous enough mm. expedition um and he goes on to say that he wouldn't reveal the contents within the article except to say that the last word was quotations mother so the whole of new york now knows is going to get her money mm. Um, so anyway, the trip was phenomenal, Eve. Yeah, so her trip went by Hamburg steamer to South End, Southampton, England, then to London, then on to Indian Mail to Calais, France, Paris, Turin, Italy, then Brindisi. From there, the steamship to Catanay, Ismaili, in, yeah. <laughs> in the island of Ceylon, Penang, and Singapore, Hong Kong. She arrived in... Yokohama, Japan, around New Year's, and then left for San Francisco and finally back to New York. Oh, my God. Jet, Jet lag. lag. Yeah. While still working as a writer, Bly died from pneumonia oh, on January the 27th, 1922. And um, that's the story of Nellie Bly. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I just love her. I cannot believe what an amazingly brave woman she was. Um, and she had also invented and patented um, some inventions to do with the oil industry as well. So lots of stuff to keep her busy. But um, I just thought she was such an amazing character to do all that on her own. I mean, even now to try do that. Well, yeah, if you if you started off doing something like that today, people would even be looking, even if you decided to take and yeah. go around the world on my own, you know, yeah. even with the internet and all that, you'd be fearful for someone. And now we have like FaceTime and, you know, mm. WhatsApp or whatever. Um, people can keep an eye and you know where you yeah. are. Like she, she just went off on her own and did it. iPhone tracker. Where's yeah. the iPhone? <laughs> yeah. And um, I, at the time, I read a figure that like they think she travels something like 400 miles a day in 1887. I mean, you wouldn't have even thought it was possible to do no. that. Um, but I thought the reporter, oh, just the way he was talking about her, so disrespectful. It's a wonder, you know, that they published it, but they did. And as I said, you can go and see it online. Um, so anyway, that's the story of Nellie Bly. We hope you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. it. Ta-ta for now. Hashtag TTFN. And hashtag F-I-J-D-I. Fake it, just do it. Woohoo. Catch you next time. Bye. The People That Time Forgot podcast with Ashling Hurleyamp, Neve Quinn, 